Brian Mudd Show is on News Radio 610 WIOD. It is 1049. Welcome back to the show. And uh, by the way, congratulations to Andres Million of Miami Springs, the winner of those monster best tickets. And uh, a lot of interest in those, too. Excited about that. You know, just getting all of our events back and everything. I know p- people are pumped about it. And uh, we'll have more opportunities to win throughout the week. And we got Natalie Rodriguez. And that's always reason to be excited about something. What do you have for us? Ah, les les bon temps, roulez. I hope I said that right. Fat Tuesday. Oui, oui. <laughs> what? It's Fat Tuesday. It's Mardi Gras. It's also Shrove Tuesday, which is where, of course, we get... National Pancake Day, and today's the, all, all of those things all combined. Many Christian congregations observe the day before um, Ash Wednesday through eating pancakes, or more specifically, pancake breakfast, as well as ringing church bells to remind us to repent of our sins before the start of Lent. IHOP has um, free short stacks. <laughs> that sounded like it hit home a little bit, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went to Catholic school once upon a time. Before I was kicked out, you're you're a good you were kicked out. Come on, yeah, you weren't kicked out. Holy water started. Uh, you were not kicked out. <laughs> I was not. You're a good girl. I uh, sometimes. <laughs> we're all sinners, Natalie. Uh, yes, we are. Yes, we are, Brian. But you know who's not sinning? I hop with their free <laughs> short stacks of buttermilk pancakes and oozing syrup. I'm not going to comment on that list. <laughs> I love it. But no, it is cool. I mean, Mardi Gras getting back underway. Talk about, you know, events and things going. That sure. uh, It's awesome to see that back. Yes. Indulgence. And, uh, yeah, well, an indulgence before the fasting. So there right. you go. Tomorrow, of course, Ash Wednesday. Yes. All right. You can go repent tomorrow. All right. Now, um, switching gears entirely here. We have seen incredible advancements in recent years with the work that NOAA has been doing, and specifically during hurricane season, you've noticed the cone gets smaller. You've also likely noticed that the overall accuracy with that smaller cone has been on point as well. It's not just that it's been narrowed up. One of the other things that was, this goes back a few years ago now, but it blew my mind. I talked about it at the time. We had what was a low-pressure system. It's like in the Tennessee mountains or something. And Hurricane Center goes in and they put, uh, you know, a, a blip on it and says, yeah, this thing's likely to develop in the next four days. And I'm like, never in my life have I seen a tropical system develop over the Tennessee mountains. And, but they were pointing it with, you know, the arrow because they do like the John Madden boom, you know, with the teleprompter thing these days. And sure enough, they had it developing in the Gulf and it did just that. And I was like, okay, well, that's a game change. That's how good this technology is getting. And NOAA and NASA are getting ready to take yet another step in that direction. And here to talk about this is NOAA scientist Scott Rudlaski. Scott? Yeah, thanks for having me. It's an exciting day. We're launching the GOES-T satellite. It's the, the third in the series that we refer to as the GOES-R series, and it's really the latest and greatest in satellite technology. It has uh, an advanced baseline imager, which is what takes pictures of the clouds, and it updates much more frequently and at much higher resolution than previous instruments. And then one thing that's brand new is, is my area of expertise. It has a lightning mapper on there. And the things that we've been able to do with that in just a, a few short years have really been phenomenal. Scott, I want to come back to that lightning point because I think that is a real instructive one uh, in, in this greater conversation. Take it a step back just to, you know, like the example I gave with the greater accuracy 
and uh, the earlier opportunity to be able to anticipate tropical events. How much of this type of technology contributes to the ability of, of newest scientists to be able to forecast that way? Yeah, and that was a great example you shared of, of just how interconnected the whole system is. And we have really, really dense observations over the U.S. where we're able to put sensors. But out over the oceans, we, we really, you know, we're flying blind in, in a lot of senses. And, and we have satellites that, that observe what we call low Earth orbiting, and they take snapshots as they fly over. Uh, but what we're talking about today is, is a geostationary satellite, and, and it's higher up in space, and it sits there, and it, it's able to observe this the same area continuously. So it does, you know, orbits at the exact same speed as the Earth, so it's constantly staring. And so that's really the advantage that, that it has given weather forecasters is it's very high-resolution information, and it's always there. So, Scott, uh, to this point, you know, you're talking about the accuracy with with lightning projections. You know, we are drawn to various different sensational aspects. For example, in a hurricane, most people will take a look at top sustained winds as opposed to the the water risk. And as we know, water has historically been far more dangerous than than wind in terms of uh, damage and, and human tragedy. You take a look at the number of people who do die due to lightning strikes, whether it's in Florida or anywhere USA, a lot more people dying because of lightning strikes than even hurricanes in a given year. So tell us about the importance of this and what this will enable someone like yourself to be able to do. Yeah, another great point. It, it, it really uh, it, it provides an extra source of information, uh, and, and it's a free source of information. That's one thing that's new. Uh, traditionally, there's, there's ground-based lightning detection networks that are provided by vendors, and they cost money. And, and so now with this free source of lightning data, even local athletics uh, officials at school districts now can have this lightning data and they can make better decisions in terms of you know, when to call off the game uh, you know, based on not just what they're seeing, but something that could potentially be upstream kind of out of out of their. How soon do you think you're going to be able to get data that's going to be actionable? It, uh, uh, almost immediately from this satellite. Uh, so this is the third in the third in the series and so it's it's replacing what was the second in the series and so it's going to be more or less a plug and play one thing that's interesting is being the third instrument there was uh time for some modifications on the ground to improve it and harden it uh, and actually make it perform better than the first two Uh, and so yeah it'll launch and then it becomes uh its designation changes um from a letter to a, a number it becomes goes 18 and they check it out for a few days, and then it moves out west, and, and later this year it will become operational. Well, it is uh, endlessly amazing to me the work that you guys are, are able to do. And you talk about this partnership with NASA. Is it a partnership to where you as a, a scientist say, hey, I could use this? Yeah, and it goes both ways, too. I'll share one, one anecdotal story of just how well the two agencies coordinate on this type of project. So NASA has a planetary defense team. They're looking for, for rocks and, that are coming and could cause us trouble. And they, they've been somewhat limited in terms of their ability to observe meteors as they burn up in the atmosphere. And the GLM just so happens to do a very good job of that. So even though it's designed to be a lightning mapper, it sees these meteors. And so it's become one of their main tools. Uh, it's a public source of information. And so they've used it to track these meteors as they burn up in the atmosphere. And the two really fascinating things they can do, they can watch how bright it is as it burns up and tell what it was made of. And they can also do back trajectories and see where it came from out there in space. And by combining those two pieces of information, they're able to keep us safer. 
and tell what types of rocks might actually be more of an impact. Um, and so, yeah, that's just one collaboration. You know, NOAA is really interested in the lightning, and it turns out that our instrument works for NASA, too, for this other completely different application. That's awesome. That's all. I mean, that's so often been the case with the space program, right? I mean, just to carry off certain missions, develop new technologies and, and opportunities to be able to benefit society. It's uh, just incredible work. Appreciate the time and the explanation as well. That is NOAA scientist Scott Rodolowski. We'll be right back at the Brian Mud Show. He's Radio 610 WIOD. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.